the Ghost Goal Podcast. We're doing an early season throwback to the schedule of seasons past as the Ghost Goal Podcast returns to a Wednesday night uh, recording just for this week and for very good reason. A whole match round of games got postponed last weekend after Queen Elizabeth II uh, passed away on Thursday evening. Uh, the UK then entered into a national period of mourning, which will uh, end next Monday when uh, the funeral has been completed. There's plenty of Champions League games to recap, though, and a partial list of fixtures coming up this weekend in the Premier League. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 371. Javier, how are you doing, man? Uh, it's, it's doing great, Alex. Doing great. How did you manage? How did you manage with a weekend of no Premier League football? How, how did that go? For I don't you? know. I had horrible headaches all weekend. I just, I, I almost died. I was having, you know, fits of, of, no. of withdrawals. Withdrawals. Yes, it was horrible, Alex. I couldn't. You know, I couldn't. I was couldn't. La Liga and Syria and Bundesliga not enough for you? No, it wasn't. Make up for it, it just wasn't enough. I wanted Dortmund, to see Arsenal Leipzig. bounce back. Yeah, and it wasn't. You know, I get. I, I, I was. I was happy yesterday and today because I got some Champions League, got some good quality football, um, and that was that was fun to watch some uh, some teams get uh, big results. So, but the biggest well, yeah, news that we, we talked about on I, our, I do, on, our yeah, on the we Instagram to Live, Energy Live. <laughs> Is uh, these are two separate entities? Graham Potter, yeah. I don't know if you if you guys haven't heard, we 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 did a whole spiel about Tuchel being fired and who we thought the possible replacements were. You know, we already thought Graham Potter was going to be the the replacement, so we did talk about it some there. Um, but we do want to talk about him now because I think it's a huge huge change for Chelsea. And uh, you know, after a few more days of being able to reflect on it. You know, this is Bowley putting his his absolute, you know, f- handprint, fingerprint, f- foot, whatever you want into the club, and inserting himself completely because this is now his man. You know, he he ripped, he ripped huge pieces of this team out over the summer. You know, Lukaku gone, Werner gone, Alonso, um, Christensen, Rudiger. It, you know, just the 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 core of the team changed and. They brought in a lot of new players. It kind of seems like maybe Tuchel didn't want some of these players or some of these players weren't exactly what he was looking for. He wanted, you know, I, I don't know. He, he didn't want some players to leave or apparently Bowley blames him for Rudiger leaving. Um, but there, there's, there's no, he just... Blamed, he blamed the, the previous ownership. Oh, yeah, the previous the pre- ownership. Pre- but... The previous ownership didn't offer Rudiger a new contract. So but just wild. Wild, wild, you know, events at Chelsea over the last week. Yeah, I mean, if you want our what, what instant think, reaction, go to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like you mentioned, we, we did do an Instagram live at Ghost Goal Pod. If you go to Instagram and uh, check out the, the podcast feed, should be the second post or something like that. Uh, we we st- spoke for about just over 20 minutes last Wednesday, in, right when Thomas Tuchel was, uh, was fired. Uh, so we're not going to get into all of the, the Tuchel stuff before, because I think we, we covered most of that on there. Um, but, but please do go check that out if you want to hear more of the Tuchel chat. I'll mention some of it here now, but Graham Potter coming in, uh, while we did mention a little bit of that, it was more just like theories of how things are going to go. But, but since then, we've had one game. Uh, like Chelsea played their second Champions League game against uh, Red Bull Salzburg in the... Uh, Let's see, at Stamford Bridge, 
uh, the first game uh, since uh, Graham Potter took over. We, a part of all of those other Premier League fixtures that got postponed over the weekend was an away game to Fulham that was supposed to happen. And uh, since then, we have also had our uh, home game with Liverpool this weekend that was supposed to be on Sunday. That's been postponed due to uh, lack of police uh, presence available with, uh, you know, the planning and logistics of the of the, the Queen's funeral uh, on, on Monday, the next day. So this is pretty much the, the this Champions League game was pretty much the only dose and the only look we've uh, really had at Graham Potter's new look Chelsea. And I'm still not sure what to to make of it, like what what parts of it. There are, there are some parts of it and some, you know, lineup choices, uh, player choices that I, I don't see continuing. But so far, it seems uh, it seems to be a version of the same sort of three, five, two uh, that he was uh, that Graham Potter had played at Brighton. Uh, the Leandro Trossard left wing role was taken up by Raheem Sterling, and he did very well in that role today. Mark Kukurea returned to that left center back role that he excelled uh, so well at uh, for Brighton last season. Thiago Silva in the middle and Aspilicueta at right center back uh, was interesting. You'd, you'd think with you know someone like Fafana available with his recovery pace, he would have played over Aspilicueta, but that that seems to be. Graham Potter just trying to win over this new group of players. And it's going to be a dynamic that um, it's going to be hard to quantify, but it is something that I think a lot of people should be trying to pay as much attention to as possible. And that's how Graham Potter sort of ingratiates himself and links himself uh, and establishes a connection with these senior players that are, you know, very clearly a, a level or two up from any players that he's managed before in his career. I don't know what you make of that, Javier, but that's something that I'm like really trying to keep an eye on because uh, I'm sure Aubameyang, like Aubameyang as an example, he's one that like he was brought in, you know, to be with, like with Tuchel. But I think like, I wouldn't be surprised if Aubameyang sees like Graham Potter trying to give him like tips on things and it's like, who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> you know, so that Graham Potter is going to have to be very careful with certain players in, in this squad and, you know, sort of asserting his dominance and his knowledge, which I'm sure he has a lot of. And, you know, not like over over overreaching with some of these players. Do you know what I mean? I was about to, I was about to say to you, how do you think from the player's point of view, you know, because there's no way that a lot of these players who signed over the summer, they thought they were going to have Thomas Tuchel for, you know, a year or two at least. I'm sure that thought that was what was discussed. And so did all the players who stayed and re-signed and all this stuff. Suddenly, that's all uprooted first month of the season, you know, and it wasn't even that bad of results. You know, if you're the players, you probably feel like, hey, we didn't do that bad to get our manager fired. You know, like we lost a couple of games, but we didn't fucking lose five straight or something. You know, it wasn't roses and petals for Tuchel, but I think I think Tuchel could have absolutely turned it around. So as a player, I would be livid if I was, you know, if I just started thinking that I was getting, you know, the system was starting to work or whatever. But maybe there were players behind the scene who didn't like him, who were already sick of him. But I, I don't know about you, but maybe. that's definitely going to be a... Um, if there are players like that, if there were a lot of players who were already sick of Tuchel and we just don't know, then maybe, yeah, they're going to be welcoming Graham Potter and happy to have a new manager. But I bet you a lot of these guys were, were ready for, for Tuchel to, you know, to carry them on and were happy they won a Champions League with him and were probably ecstatic that he was the coach, so... I can imagine a lot of these players are going to be down for a couple of weeks, at least just trying to get on the Potter train. 
See, I, I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, maybe there were a couple of players. Uh, that's one of the things about Tuchel's reign uh, that, that's kind of surprising. It, there doesn't seem to be a lot of, you know, doesn't seem to be a lot of players coming forward that are completely heartbroken about it. Like Mateo Kovacic is the only one that it seemed like it was, was really, you know, crestfallen about it. Uh, and, you know, but it took a lot of players like most of the day on Wednesday, long after the announcement had been made to even start their social media posts saying, thanks, boss, and good luck. They probably just um, like found Reece out James about and, it. Like, well, no, because everyone found crazy. out at like five o'clock in the morning here. So, I mean, I'm, I'm saying it wasn't until like five o'clock. It wasn't like till 12 hours later, five o'clock or six o'clock in the evening here in the they States. They were probably that, instructed not to do any social media stuff for yeah, a while. Maybe, maybe, but... I'm just saying, as someone who follows all of those accounts, it, it was jarring to see how few of them, you know, seemed that heartbroken about it through social media. And again, that's a certain way to take in information that's not always the most reliable, but it, it struck a chord with me. I, I'm saying all this to set up the fact that there definitely are players that, you know, were not big fans of Thomas Tuchel. And one that comes to mind immediately is Christian Pulisic. And American fans will know about it. His dad has been all over social media, liking and retweeting like anti-Tuchel stuff for the last year now. Like it's they've they've tried to make a whole thing of it. Like he he's been playing like absolute like shit, seemingly to get a move, but a move that he never got. Uh, so he's a player that uh, you you would expect to take the fresh start and and make something of it, especially with the World Cup coming up. Uh, but the the main problem. It can be viewed as a problem or as, you know, a, a positive for Chelsea is that we don't really have many games for them to like put into action the things that Tuchel's te- or not, not Tuchel, Jesus, that Graham Potter is teaching them on the tra- uh, the practice field right now. PTSD, Alex. And that can PTSD. be viewed. That, that can be viewed. Yeah, no, exactly. He's still in my head. I just can't get him out of my head. <laughs> um, now, I've decided uh, or at least last week, I decided let's take this as a positive and we'll, you know, let Graham Potter have some time with the players to work on the, the training field and uh, get his uh, ways ingrained. But they had to get the win today. And it's really disappointing that it was just more of the same from these players, albeit in, with much more energy. And, you know, with that new manager bounce that you would, would expect, they were all biting into tackles and, Running they had to get the win today in Champions League, dude. You were at home to supposedly the worst team in the group in Salzburg. And I think Just I think Dinamo Zagreb. After are, two games, are, are after two games, though, you're sitting bottom of the group. You know, thankfully, no team's gone win-win, so the the group is still very close. It's just you know three points separate first from from fourth, so you can easily still pull yourself back. You know, with a few wins in this yeah, group. Yeah. I'm not worried about the Champions League group. Like, yes, we've made it hard for ourselves, but I, I'm sure we'll, we'll figure it out. Huge pressure on your you next know? game with Milan. We've got two games against AC Milan. The first one's going to be at home. The if second one will like, be at the San Siro. If you go, like, draw loss and you have two points yeah, after yeah, no. four if, games. If, the if that's the case, then we're probably out, you know. But I think we can go win, draw. Like, win at home, draw at the San Siro. You know, beat RB Salzburg and then beat Dinamo Zagreb at home and you know we'll get through in at least second that way yeah that if you guys can do that then but you you also expected to smash Salzburg at home no I didn't I didn't expect us to smash Salzburg at home I thought we'd beat them like 2-1 maybe and that's that's probably the the final score we should have had we had enough chances to do that 
but we never got that second goal. And that's that's something you, you've heard me, you know, whine about for years now. And it's been multiple managers have not been able to fix well, it. Well, how many times have you praised Kai one. Havertz and said, you know, Kai is good enough. The, the dude just, he doesn't score enough goals. I love Kai Havertz. I think he's a great player on the ball. His buildup's great. But he just doesn't have... It's like Timo Werner when they were both in the Bundesliga. They looked like they were tearing the world to shreds because they can get goals. The goalies aren't that good. The defenders aren't that good. But when they're at Champions League and I know that Kai Harris scored in the Champions League final, Alex, but like we're seeing consistently now over the last couple of years, his finishing is just not not at the highest level right now. And it, and it, I don't know if it ever will be. He's still young. He could reach that level. Absolutely, he could. But right now for Chelsea, he's not. And this is another game. There's been so many games recently where Chelsea have had chances. You know, Raheem Sterling, again, probably was your best player, right, from what I saw in the in the highlights of this game? Yeah, yeah, he was. Like I mentioned, he I played mean, out I mean, he's been a great signing back. for Chelsea because I don't know where you guys would be without him right now. Uh, bottom half of the table and Tuchel would have been fired long before. Uh, yeah, so he's got like four goals on the season, three in the Premier League. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's a lone bright spot in our attack. And, you know, even Pierre Aubameyang hasn't looked uh, that good yet. And, and I'm willing to give him somewhat of a pass because he's straight up tackled it in the postgame interview today saying it, it feels strange playing injured you know he was attacked like two days before we signed him he was attacked in his home in Barcelona and his jaw was broken in front of his whole family so never mind the actual like physical uh pain that he's going through trying to play through a broken jaw with the the whole mask on and everything I'm not gonna say psychological toll that takes I love Aubameyang but drama follows that man like yes it does I love Aubameyang and I'm not saying him like that's horrible that that happened to him and his family but like he also Are you with us blaming right now. No, but also with us, he got COVID, <laughs> he got malaria, like shit happened sure, with his sure. mom. Stuff happened at Dortmund as well, where there was always, you know, something in the background. Sometimes that would happen. He would miss a day or two of training. So, you know, this is what you get with the player. This is good and the bad. So, you know, that's probably why Barca was also so willing to part ways with him, too. They were probably like, you know what? Just get out of here. <laughs> Go back to London with your no, family because that's... I think Robert Lewandowski was the reason, but I mean... Yeah, probably. Anyway, the, it, it's, it feels like there's like too much in in Chelsea terms to really talk about right now. Uh, so, I mean, I feel fine talking 15 minutes about it since we're not going to be playing again until after the international break. It's going to be two but, and a yeah, half let's, weeks let's before I see Chelsea Let's talk a little bit more about some of these other Champions League groups, Alex. Cause, uh, yeah, sure. Because I... Let's, let's start with Group A. Napoli, they've looked fantastic in Serie A and in this Champions League group. Um, you know, two wins. They destroyed Liverpool 4-1 in that first game. Um, they got another another win today. Yeah, at smashing, Rangers. Smashing Nate, Rangers 3-0 um, away oh, from home. At, you know, the, yeah, 3-0. Um, oh, yeah. So I, Rangers just, went down to 10 men. I forgot about that. Just, yeah, just, I mean, this is a difficult group with Liverpool, Ajax, Rangers, they look, they look poised to get out of this group, and I'm sure Liverpool and Ajax... Liverpool could still win the group, but I think Napoli will get out in second and, or win this group. You know, I think they're good enough to win the group. The the There's a couple of players that um, they signed this summer that have really, really surprised me how good they are. Um, that Kavar Tuskelia guy? I don't know how to say his name, Alex, but Kavicha Karfuskelia. 
21-year-old Georgian player, winger, just phenomenal on the ball. Uh, I'd never seen him or really heard about him before he, he joined uh, Napoli, um, and he's looked really good. And then uh, Giovanni Simeone, Diego yeah. Simeone's son, who, you know, we, we've seen him be good on... Name an Italian team. I'm sure he's played for them. I mean, he's played yeah, for a couple. Yeah, I say, I remember him on Genoa and Hellas... No, not Hellas Florona, uh, Cagliari. Cagliari, yeah, that's where he was. Cagliari, I don't remember where Fiorentina. Was, yeah, he's been on a bunch of them. Oh, Fiorentina. Yeah, he's been on Fiorentina. But he seems to have finally gotten his big move, 27 at Napoli, and uh, he's been scoring goals for them too. So in Osimhen's uh, absence, I think he's you know gotten like injuries and you know he's a very injury prone player so Giovanni's gotten a chance and he's he's taken that chance uh it's a very interesting team Napoli they made a you know they've made a lot of changes interesting signings and they've surprised me this season so Liverpool have been a little bit underwhelming in Champions League you know they needed a last minute winner um at Anfield against Ajax I don't know if you watched that game I watched a good amount of that game Liverpool were... Yeah, I had that on the, the secondary screen because uh, obviously Barcelona-Bayern was going on at the same time. But Yes, um, and I was, was watching the, the Golasso show, which had mostly Bayern-Barca on, but it was switching back and forth between Liverpool-Ajax and a few of the other games. Um, even the Bruges game, which I watched a, a decent bit of. But yeah, no, Liverpool just s- still doing what they do at... This well, season, they, well, they got the, Thiago back, yes. which I think was the the key man returning was, to their midfield. It was huge. That, it was huge for them. Just getting that, like they were able to get that quick transition pass off. They were creating a lot of chances. Just their finishing wasn't um, wasn't what they need to. But they could have scored four or five in this game. Ajax were pretty good too, though. Um, they had a few chances of their own. They were good in possession, and this is gonna not going to be an easy group. You know, Rangers are going to get kicked around to this group, but uh, I bet you the the, the there's going to be a bloody bloody fight for who gets at the top two of this group um and napoli beating liverpool in that first game week made this group very very interesting so uh definitely keep an eye on group a uh another another group that we should absolutely talk about um group b which is uh this one's been kind of flipped on its head yeah it's crazy so this this group is club bruges Bayer leverkusen Atletico Madrid and Porto and Bruges are sitting top of the group with six points, five goals scored, zero goals against um, Leverkusen and Atletico. Both have gotten wins as well. And Porto sit bottom of the group. No wins. I mean, Bruges have just looked so good. Um, what what do you think of this team, Alex? I mean, they have a bunch of young players. Have you watched any of them at all? Like, I, 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 they just look like a fun team. I mean, I don't know if they're actually going to get out of this group in the end. But the, the way that they've started, the, the confidence that this team has, you know, you never you never know. So I have to be honest, I have I have not watched I have now watched or not watched any of uh, Bruges games so far in the Champions League. I, I just know that, I mean, they've lost. I mean, this is a, a common thing for teams like this in multiple countries, not just Belgium. They just won four nil at Holland. Porto. Yeah, no, I know. I was That's just about to say, crazy. but they they have lost. Uh, they they always lose. All these teams always lose like a good amount of their best players every season, and yet they have a recruitment team that is capable of just sort of picking up the pieces and moving along. They they lost uh, Charles de Ketelaire, their, uh, their their best attacking player, to AC Milan over the summer, and I think if if we had done a Champions League preview. Like, I'll be completely honest. I would have had Atletico Madrid and Porto getting out of this group with maybe Leverkusen pushing Porto 
Instead, when I say this group's been flipped on its head, I literally mean that. Atletico and Porto, Atletico have a win. They got they got the win. Did you see that seventeen year old kid that came on? Antonio uh, Musa scored a fucking beautiful goal. There's some seventeen year old kid that came on, scored on his like Champions League debut for Bruges at seventeen. Um, they've got they've got a bunch of young players that uh, Hutkla, who uh, Ferran Hutkla, who used to play for Barcelona, he he got a little bit of game time here and there, but he's just been tearing up the Belgian league and you know scoring in the Champions League now too. I they've got a bunch of young players, like you said, good recruitment team, you know, a veteran keeper in Simeon Minile, and God, if they make it out of this group, it would be a huge achievement for them. I mean, it would it would bring a lot of eyes to a lot of these players, and uh, I'm sure they're they're going to be you know, massively motivated after this really good start to, to get out of this group. Because, I mean, as good as Bayer, Leverkusen, Atletico Madrid are, they're, I mean, Atletico Madrid have good Champions League pedigree, but uh, Leverkusen, Porto, Porto usually make Porto it out of the group. Porto have good Champions League pe- pedigree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Porto so, have I mean, gotten it's, to it's the quarterfinals for Bruges to make it recently. Out of this group. And then the big group, the, the one that we all want to talk about, um, the Bayern Munich, Group C, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter Milan, and Victoria Pleasant. Pleasant, Pleasant, Pilsen, Pilsen. I mean, did you watch the uh, the Bayern Barca game? Great fucking game! What a great game of soccer! I mean, super high quality. You know, Barcelona had ten chances in the first half. I want to say Neuer four or five great saves. It was a great performance, and you kind of knew after Barca didn't take their first few good chances, especially Lewandowski. I just knew Bayern were going to take over at some point, and. you know, they after they got the first goal, you, you knew it was inevitable that they were going to get another one. And Leroy Sané was phenomenal in that second half. He he proved that he's still a world class player. Um, Joshua Kimmich was super good. Bayern defensively were just absolute monsters. That uh, Lucas Hernandez, I mean, but, but Barca were amazing too. They were so fun to watch. They were so good on the ball. I wouldn't go so far as to say amazing. I think it's impressive that Barcelona weren't like ran off the pitch playing right. Marcus Alonso in a back four. And I've gone on about this when he was a Chelsea player for a long, long time. And, you know, he did eventually make enough mistakes. He that, did you know, make the mistakes. Especially yeah. for the second goal. You know, he just gets, he just completely loses Sané uh, in the build up to that goal. Uh, but th- that can be viewed as sort of like a system-wide issue, not just a Marcus Alonso alone issue. And he's not going to play every single one of these games. But I, I just saw that, and like I, I think the back line was uh, Alonso left back, Christensen center back, Araujo at center back, and then Kunde at right back. Yeah, Kunde can play at right back, but uh, he, he seems more suited to like a right center back in a back three or a center back role in a back four. Like Good right God. back. In- Barca have a like a just disgusting amount of riches. They have Ansu. They had Ansu Fati. Listen to their bench: Hector Bellerin. Gerard Piquet, Ansu Fati, Ferran Torres, Memphis Depay, Jordi Alba, Frank Kessier, Frankie de Jong, Eric Garcia, um, and then some some youngsters. But it's just like absolutely insane, the talent that they had on the bench. Uh, Bayern Munich as well. But, I mean, great. These are two teams that we're expecting to see in the Champions League semifinals, quarterfinals at least. So, um, I, I think Barcelona teams. would do well to get to the quarterfinals. Like, it's still not a guarantee that they get out of this group. Like, what we've learned so far through two games is that... We knew this before, but Bayern Munich have pretty much 
confirmed it by beating Inter and uh, and Barca in the first two games. It's between Barcelona and Inter. The, these next two games between those two clubs are going to be absolutely pivotal in deciding who goes through. I, I, I would lean Barcelona right now, but you never know. Inter could, you know, win at home and then nick a draw at the Camp Nou and all of a sudden Barcelona are in, you know, panic mode. So... Let's quarterfinals just, uh, would be good for Barca. Yeah, let's quickly uh, hit what on. What do you think uh, of Inter? So, what do you think of Inter so far, though? Because I mean, well, yeah, no, Inter, Inter. Uh, I don't, I don't have too much to go on them because you know they beat the team that they're everyone's supposed to beat, and then they they lost to to Bayern. So, uh, I, I want to wait for these Barcelona games to really make my judgment on Inter because right now I, I favor Barca the way that they're playing, but I mean Inter, Inter are really good, so they can always they have enough quality to to get at the defensive frailties that Barcelona clearly still have. Group D, Sporting, top of the top of the table, 6 points. Same thing, 5 goals scored, 0 against. They beat Tottenham 2-0. They looked pretty good. They made Tottenham look pretty bad. Yeah, it's kind was of a, a fun very group even now. game. It, it was a very very even game. I think yeah. the expected goals for those those two teams was like dead on the same, like 1.2 or something but, like that. But just impressive that they've, you know, I wouldn't have picked Sporting to get out of this group. Um, them winning these first two games really makes this a fun really? group because... Uh, who would you who would you have, you have taken ahead probably of Probably Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Frankfurt and really? Tottenham okay. and maybe even Marseille, actually. But uh, Marseille well, been, no, I agree. disappointing. I, I agree that I would have picked Tottenham and probably still would favor Tottenham to, you know, come in first. Um, but... I think there has to be something mentioned of Antonio Conte's uh, away record in the Champions League. He's played as a manager for Juventus, Chelsea, and Tottenham. He's had 19 away games, and he's lost eight of them. Almost half of his away games in in the Champions League in his career, he's lost. Which, you know, it's tough to win away in the Champions League, I'll I'll admit that. But it was something that I, I, I took a major note of in his second season at Chelsea when he had Champions League and we had a group that was like Roma and Carabag and I can't even remember the third team, but we had a very manageable group, Atletico Madrid, that's who it was. And uh, we struggled in a, in a lot of games, even against lesser opposition. It, it just seems to me like the Antonio Conte magic mainly works in the league, which, you know, is fine. Tottenham need to improve in the league for sure and, re- and get consistency, but they also want to yeah, do not well really in the Champions a cup League. Manager. Well, I would say he's not really like an, a, a European knockout manager. I mean, he, like he did well in that Euros with Italy and he won the FA Cup with Chelsea. So he has like some cup pedigree, but it just seems like his European record. The best he's ever done in Europe was losing a Europa League final to Sevilla when he was at Inter. So, uh, yeah, they really should have won that one. They were the superior side, but... Um, yeah, they still should be fine to get out of this group, I think. But it's, it's definitely interesting to see how they sort of capitulated in the last like three or four minutes there in Lisbon because it was it was dead even and I think a nil-nil they would have Tottenham would have said fine let's just move on to the next one we'll beat Sporting at home and we'll take top of the group that way but now you lose it, it there's a there's a chance here that may, maybe they do finish second if Sporting can keep this up but who knows we already talked about group E um, a couple more Wait, groups r- here. real quick about yeah. group E Chelsea's group do you think we're getting out? And if so, is, do you think yeah, second? No, I, I still I think Chelsea are getting out. I think Chelsea and Milan still get out. I don't. I haven't seen enough from Zagreb and Arby Salzburg to. Uh, but Arby Salzburg have surprised me. They're definitely like a more mature team than and a better team than I thought they were. So, 
Dude, they are not a mature team. Their average age today was 23. Well, that that's what game. I mean. They They're more mature. Like, they play, they play, they play more, more mature, mature. Yeah, than, no, what that I, I agree than, with. than what their age is. They're a young team. So, like you said, um, they're super energetic and, uh, you know, they're fun to watch. Fun to have teams like that in the Champions League. That um, Noah but, Okafor kid, I just have to mention him. He's been playing for Switzerland a, a decent amount. I think he played in the last Euros. And I'm, I'm guessing he'll go to the World Cup. He's for real. He, he's going to end up probably in, in Germany, I would think. Uh, but, you know, no, you never know. He may may end up in England. And then they also have that Benjamin Sesko kid, the uh, the one that Chelsea and Manchester United were trying to get this summer. But Leipzig ended up... Uh, I, th- I think Leipzig bought him and then loaned him back to Salzburg. So he'll be at Leipzig after this season. Group F, we have Real Madrid won their first two games easily, six points. Um, then we have Shakhtar Donetsk in second, which is kind of a surprise because, uh, you know, there's a war going on in their country. So uh, kind of surprising that they still got things going on there. And That was uh, like one of the surprising games of the of the first round of Champions League fixtures. They absolutely pummeled RB Leipzig away 4-1, and it wasn't even that close. It should have been more, supposedly. So it's impressive to see them not have a league season, uh, really. I mean... They have a, a league season, but it's kind of all being played, I think, like neutral grounds at, in Poland. God, but, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it's it's rough. So the only really meaningful, like high-quality games they have to play are these Champions League group games, which, you know, makes them dangerous. They still have very good players. Like, uh, who's that winger that uh, I think you guys tried to sign? And you might sign in uh, in January. Am I right saying that? Yeah, uh Mudrick or something. Mudrick, yeah, he's he's really really good. He's uh he's been fun to watch. He's been he's gotten some goals in the Champions League. I think he just scored for them. Uh He just scored the equalizer against, yeah, against Celtic. Uh, Celtic. Yeah, Mudrick. Uh Mikhailo Mudrick, 21-year-old winger. Uh very direct. I've been very impressed by him and him and his agent, even though he didn't get his move in in the summer, they've been twerking for a Premier League move that they expect to get done in the uh in the January window. So keep an eye out for him in the Premier League. But yeah, the, the only real surprise from that group is Leipzig being bottom. And I don't know if they're going to get out of this group. You know, they've started the group really badly, but they've looked good in Germany. So I kind of still expect them to be able to turn it around at some point. Uh, I'm not, I am worried after that first Shakhtar result, but I think they should be able to beat Celtic a couple of times and get some points on the board. So group G, we got Man City with, couple of easy wins for them i mean this group should be a walk for them Dude, you know don't say easy wins all right <laughs> that all right. Dortmund this game last was not this easy last today game, this last win was not easy but the first game was you're right but they have copenhagen and sevilla who are now ne- never going to challenge them um and i think it should be dortmund and city that make it out of this group but what what a what a amazing goal to uh win the game for merling holland just scissor kick Zlatan's it in f- top corner with his left foot or ugh, just disgusting. There's been a lot of chat on uh, Twitter today about how uh, I don't know I don't know if you've heard, but Nico Schlotterbeck's been talking a lot of shit about uh, Erling Holland. Uh, they, they obviously never played together. Schlotterbeck just joined Dortmund. He's a center back. I think they bought from uh, Freiburg. Is that it? Or Augsburg? One of those two. I think it was Freiburg. Yeah, very good, young, well, like high, highly rated German center back. Uh, a good signing by all accounts for Dortmund. But he's been talking shit about how he, he claimed like, oh, I know how to shut down Erling Holland. Like, like we had a way of playing against him when I was at Freiburg. 
And uh, he didn't start today against City. City didn't score and looked awful for most of the game, ba- barely registered a shot on target. And then a few minutes after Nico Schlotterbeck was brought on, John Stones and then Erling Haaland both scored the equalizer and then the winner. And Haaland's goal was basically like right in Schlotterbeck's lap. John Stones' so, goal was insane too. So Yeah, it was. But uh, yeah, no, that's just a, a fun that, little yeah, goal. Almost like Holland that, uh, was waiting yes, for Schlotterbeck to for come Slaughterbeck on. For Schlotterbeck to just, to just score <laughs> it's in like, his I'll face. I'll fucking show you. Right? Um, and then our last group, Group H, kind of very surprising that uh, Benfica are tied with PSGU six points and uh, Juventus zero points in this group. Lost both of their games against uh, PSG and Benfica. You know, they have a couple games against Maccabi Haifa, which I'm sure they'll win, but... Damn, they they they're they're in a they're in a hole right now. Now, if they were a Premier League team, they would make the very obvious move of sacking Allegri and just going and getting Thomas Tuchel right now. Thomas Tuchel would absolutely transform this Juventus team. But in Italy, there is a uh, a practice that all Italian teams adhere to of if you fire your coach, then you have to pay them the remainder of, of their contract. Uh, you know, over the the amount of years uh, that they were signed for. Uh, unless they take another job. So Allegri doesn't really have that high of stock right now. I'm not really sure who would pick him up if he was fired. And his contract runs until 2025. So they don't really have the cash flow to be paying two managers at the same time. Even if they are one of the richest clubs in Italy, they don't have that kind of bank. <laughs> um, so we're not we're not really sure like how bad it would have to get for Juventus for it to get to the point where they would fire Allegri. But if they're not quick about it, then, you know, Tuchel is such a good coach that he might be, you know, snapped up by someone else before then. So that's going to be an interesting one to sort of keep our eyes on, because we all know that's the move that they should make, because they are absolutely dire at the moment. Like, I can't remember the last time I watched a Juventus game and enjoyed watching it. It's awful. And it's not like they haven't made moves, you know, like Vlahovic is supposed to be sort of like the game changing uh, goal scorer that's supposed to like save their attack. And, you know, they can barely create chances for him. So it's uh, it's a rough watch. Uh, and apparently and, you know, Keyes kinda... is not going to play till after the World Cup, probably. So who? Federico Chiesa. That's that's been the huge. Oh, yeah. Miss. No. Chiesa's that's, out. That's, Pogba, that's, Pogba's out. Right. Those <laughs> are the type of players that should be creating for uh, for Vlahovic. So, you know, you got to feel for Vlahovic. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. They got to they got to fire Allegri there. A few. Uh, we haven't talked much uh, Premier League at all in this pod, Alex, but a, a couple games we do want to hit on here um, briefly. I mean, one mainly, but we can mention the other one ones, mainly, I guess. One uh, mainly, but there is the Wolves-Man City um, at Saturday, 7.30 a.m. Mention that because Wolves have been a bogey team for Man City um, in the past, and there's always been close games, especially at home. Wolves at home rarely concede more than two goals. So, you know... Th- well, I last kind time of ex- Manchester City went there, Kevin De Bruyne scored a hat-trick, so... Yes, but that goals? was, that, that was like, at the end of the season when, like, the, like... The season didn't matter. Wolves had already given up at that point. There was nothing for them to win or lose or anything. So sure. I think for Wolves now, they still have motivation to, to still, I'm sure for them, they think they can get European places, whatever. Um, so peak game, that should be a fun one. Um, and then we've got Spurs-Leicester Saturday, 1230. That's, a, that's another fun one. That's usually you know got some goals in it. Leicester, Leicester needs something somewhere because... They've just don't expect them to get it here. I don't. I don't <laughs> expect it either. But this is the type of game 
that in the past Spurs, you look at this fixture, you go, oh yeah, they should be you know winning this easily, and they go and lose this game. So, I yeah, these maybe. are the type of games that I want to see Spurs just like put a Leicester away to the sword, three nil, three one, you know, because every other team's been doing it this season. So if you can't do it, then you're gonna uh, have trouble. Not us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. try not to get someone sent off in the first thirty minutes, Tottenham. If you, you still uh, want won. to be an easy one, yeah, we still won. That's that's the really worrying part for Leicester. I guess just if we're mentioning games, there's not too many this weekend since I think three have been postponed. Uh, on Friday, there's actually going to be two games, Aston Villa and Southampton at uh, 3 p.m. And then also Nottingham Forest Fulham at 3 p.m. Uh, so if you're you know in the fantasy league, get your lineup set before uh, lunchtime and you'll be all good for this weekend. Uh, then that Wolves-Man City game is going to be 7.30 a.m. on Saturday. There's going to only be one 10 a.m. game, Newcastle-Bournemouth. And then the Spurs Leicester game will finish things Saturday at uh, twelve p twelve thirty p.m. Uh, and then I, I think what's the game of the weekend kicks us off Sunday morning. Brentford Arsenal. How worried are you, Javier? Because this this is a tough away fixture now. I'm not gonna lie. Like I really wanted that Everton home game to bounce back from the United game. Um, I wanted that you know get a get a win, get us back, get the confidence back. I think having to play at Brentford, you know, a raucous atmosphere, we've lost there. We lost there last season, the first game of the year. So I think for a lot of these Arsenal players, though, it's going to be, you know, revenge because that game did not go how we think it should have gone at that point in the season. We had a lot of players out, a lot of new players, but we're a completely different team, much better team now. Um, and I think Brentford are a better team as well. I think they are better than they were when we played them in that first game. So Much it should better. be uh it should be a fun one. I, I think they're going to score on us. I mean, even Tony scored a hat-trick in his last game. He was a, he was a monster. You know, we got to play Tony coming off of his hat-trick and uh off of a loss. So this is this is big. You know, this is the type of game that last season maybe we we, we would lose this and we would go on a, you know, couple two two three game losing streak. We might bounce back after this, but you know, there's going to be the international break, so we really need a win here. I think it's going to be hard, and I'm going to say 2-1 Arsenal. I think the biggest thing, though, is that we're going to have Thomas Partey back, and having him back in midfield, I think everyone will, will pretty much have everybody fit other than Smith Rowe, Nelson, and I think that's it. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to have mostly everybody healthy, rested, and a rested Arsenal team, with the most of our full, full first team, especially Partey and Shaka in midfield, I mean, no one's been able to get close to them when they've been together so far with with Zinchenko in the team. So, if we can, if we have that with you know, I don't know who's going to start it right back. Probably Ben White. He's, he keeps starting there defensively. He's been great. I still like the way that that we look offensively when Tomiyasu starts, but. He hasn't started yet this season. He's just been coming off the bench. Same with Tierney. Tierney did start in the last game, a couple of games, and he's looked pretty good. So it's good to have multiple options, Sinchenko, Tierney, Tomiyasu, White. You know, uh, a, a lot of good defensive options gives us uh, always the possibility to win the game and change the game in the second half as well because we can bring on offensive fullbacks. We can bring on, you know, more wingers, strikers, and Ketia's playing fantastically. I mean, every time Nketiah's played this season... He's been good. You know, he scored in the Europa League. 
every time he's come on, he's held up the ball well. He's done link up well. He's looked like a beast, man. You're, you're, you're taking – I like this. You, you do this a lot. You, you take one game where he looked good, and I no. would say he looked good in no, the Europa in, League in every time game he's come he started. On, when he's come on. All right, man. You say that. I don't think he's been anything special when he's come right. on. He hasn't right. looked bad. He's but just just remembering. You, you can't, you can't get take double the digit goal and assist against FC Zurich and extrapolate that across like a bunch not. of substitute appearances. Okay, plus why would you choose to focus on that when you have Gabriel Jesus? <laughs> you know, like like well, he's the, the one Jesus that is, is would amazing, take over yeah. a game like this. Of course, I, I would say you guys will probably win because, uh, as opposed to last season, you now have more. More players that provide a physical presence that can help you defend all those set pieces and throw-ins that Bright or Brentford like to throw into the box. That's one of the biggest problems. Saliba. Uh, yeah, so Saliba. And then, you know, Ben White playing as a right back. Even if Tomiyasu is playing, he's a big unit. He can handle himself. Uh, yeah, and Partey uh, coming back would certainly help as well. Uh, we probably should at least mention that, you know, the, the second game on Sunday is going to be Everton-West Ham at 9.15, just after that Brentford-Arsenal game. Uh, which, by the way, I didn't give a pick for that, but uh, I'll say 3-2 Arsenal. I think you guys win. And Brentford have had some high-scoring games this season. So it should be an exciting one, worth waking up at 7 a.m. on a Sunday. Yeah, and for, I, ne- I, will, I also I didn't say. think that we'd concede three against Man United, so I'm not going to go and say, oh, we have, our defense is gone, Alex. We're not conceding two right. goals against Brentford. I mean, Brian Embuemo is probably watching clips of Marcus Rashford right now from that game. So keep an eye out for him. We should probably wrap things up there. Told you we'd find enough to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> Even it was if perfect. The Premier but, League's postponed. But I, but we needed, we needed some of this Champions League meaty, meaty games. Champions League's interesting, man. It's, it's, it's gotten, uh, it's gotten good again. You know, it seems like there isn't one team that's favorite that's gonna just win it all. And uh, hey, man, it was man never City. bad. FC it's... Sheriff beat Real Madrid in the last minute at the Bernabeu last season. People just forget about that, and then Real Madrid went on and won the Champions League. So. You know, maybe teams Ancelotti like that, and, and, and maybe teams like Sheriff and Dinamo Zagreb aren't, you know, capable of winning the Champions League. But nights like Zagreb beating Chelsea at home in that opening game, their fans will never forget that. That that's there's beauty in that as well. And you know, it came at my, at, you know, the cost of my pain. And you know what? I offer that sacrifice up for the greater good of football. And I'm so happy we need that the Champions back League in the can Champions deliver it. It'd be way more interesting with Arsenal. Sure, it would. All right. You know uh, it would. <laughs> let's wrap this up. Javier, thank you. If you guys want to follow Javier on Twitter, you can do so at JavierRev9. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ASMOS92. And you can follow the podcast socials at Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and give us a rating and review. Those new ratings and reviews help new listeners to find the pod and We'd really appreciate it if you, if you guys could do a little something to help grow this thing. Enjoy those Premier League games this weekend, everyone. And until next time, see you. <laughs>